Ulterior. Alright, so here's the deal, y'all. I initially had plans to make this episode kind of like a restructuring of the podcast. Um, so that began with changing the name from Alternate the Show to Alternate the Show because Alternate the Show, truthfully, it never really made any sense. I don't know what my thought process was with going with that when Alternate the Show was literally right there and it made a lot more sense for this platform. Um, the other changes I had planned were to play the song clips for each single and album and EP I talk about simultaneously with my voiceover. So you would have heard two audios at the same time, my voice, and then also the song in the background, a, a very faint volume though. And in trying to do that, I realized how hard that actually is and how like distracting it might be. And then I was also doing these other things like... I was having like this robotic voice introduce the songs and the albums and the EPs instead of my regular voice. And there was like static to break apart the songs uh, being discussed one from another. If it sounds confusing, it's because it kind of was. And I didn't realize it was going to be so hectic until I tried putting it into practice. Um, Ultimately, I just ended up scrapping whatever I had for the episode. It wasn't a lot. I think I got through two singles before realizing, yeah, this shit ain't going to work. But you know, at least I realized that sooner than later. Um, and it didn't end up being, uh, detrimental in any way. Like it probably would have been had I moved forward with those plans. Um, but yeah, this was meant to be a restructuring. It's not, we're going to stick with the format. It is what it is. And that's about as much as I have to say about the failed changes before actually, uh, getting into the music. And I need to do that soon because there's a lot to go through this week. But before I get into all that, I want to set aside a little bit of time to just talk about what has happened in America over the last week because it is a topic that is very important to me and I think it should be just as important to everyone else. Um, as you're all aware by now, uh, the Supreme Court made the decision last week to overturn Roe v. Wade, which puts access to abortion into the fucking pit, all because some old-ass, wrinkly, brink-of-death pieces of shit who shouldn't have any reason to be concerned with what women choose to do with their bodies decide to be fucking heinous and evil. And I understand that sometimes with platforms, it's not wise to go into political matters, but I really don't think that this is a political issue. I think It is a matter of common sense not prevailing because these people are either wildly uneducated about abortion or they're just choosing to ignore what is going to slap them in the fucking faces real soon when it comes to the health complications that can sometimes force women to have abortions in order to save their lives. You know, it's not as clear as the murdering babies perspective that a lot of conservatives try to hammer in while also proving time and time again that they really don't give a fuck about any of these fetuses once they become babies because otherwise something would have been done regarding gun control and poverty and everything else that plagues the youth that these figures swore they would protect. It's just a really shitty and tragic situation because lives will be lost due to all of this ignorance and negligence and just overall bigotry. And You know, I wish there was something more that I could do other than just sit here and rant about all this. And the last week has really made me feel so like helpless and hopeless when it comes to this entire topic, because all I can do is just sit here and try to educate people, try to tell them why abortion is sometimes necessary. And even if it's not necessary for health reasons, 
these women should just have the right to choose what happens with their bodies. Um, you know, abortion rights are human rights. I want to really, really emphasize that and just how fucking atrocious it is that women are having their rights being taken away because of whatever fucking argument these people think that they're making. Um, I will include links in the description for this episode on Spotify with resources and, you know, different, uh, donation pages that you guys can contribute to. And just, you know, I, I, I want everybody who feels something regarding this matter to please try and do even the bare minimum of what you can do to help. And, you know, that's really just what's been on my mind the last week. Um, I'm going to go ahead and try to get into the new music now because there's a lot to cover this week, guys. we got new singles from the likes of The Home Team, Gorillaz, Chief State, a few others I want to get into, and then brand new records from Coheed and Cambria, Alexis on Fire, Social Animals, Profiler, and Spirit Box. So, yeah. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy this episode. I don't know if anybody else saw the Radio Shack Twitter account being on one the other day. Um, I think they had tweeted something like, if she's a squirter, marry her, which was wildly out of pocket, but I still fucked with it. Um, and then they tweeted uh, a little bit after that. Shack intern here. I wanted to take a second to reflect on my post. I know you expecting me to say in my wildest dreams, I never thought that tweet would go viral and to apologize, but I did because I know that shit was fire as fuck. No, we didn't get hacked and no, I'm not fired. Buckle up, bitch. That's incredible. I, I, I really do admire that level of just tenacity and not giving a fuck about anything. That, that's amazing, guys. Um... So yeah, getting into the music for this week, like I said, there's a lot to get through, so let's try to get into it now, and the first song I'm going to get into is the number one ranked song for Synagogue Look last week, FOMO, Board of You by The Home Team. This is the first song from the home team following their album last fall called Slow Bloom. And if I remember correctly, I said in the review that it was a record that had the potential to grow on me. And yeah, that thing grew on me like fucking crazy. Yet I didn't even put it in my top 50 records of the year. And just putting out there now, coming off of FOMO, if I don't have the next home team record in my top 50, Y'all need to get me the fuck out of here. This song is insane. It has the same level of catchiness and energy from Slow Bloom, but maybe just fine-tuned to the right extent that makes FOMO a memorable single that I've not been able to get out of my head all week long. There's a real groove to the execution of this song's instrumentation that perfectly complements Brian Butcher's vocals, and just all in all, a, a really stellar-ass song that I believe needs to be heard by everyone in the scene. A brand new single by Gorillaz featuring Thundercat. It is called Cracker Island. Paradise, 
I don't think I've ever mentioned gorillas on this podcast before, which is maybe fine because I would imagine that everyone listening to this knows who they are and possibly even has like some affinity for material of theirs in the past. Um, I, I think the last time that I was really paying attention to them was on the cycle for humans, which was their 2017 album, uh, particularly the song Ascension featuring Vince Staples. I was a really, really big fan of that. The sky is falling, baby. Drop that ass for a crash. But with Cracker Island, it's not so much about how in-your-face this song is compared to something like Ascension. I think the charm that I found within this song comes from the rhythm all throughout it that is like really simplistic in actuality, but there's something to the electronic sounds that give Cracker Island this really fleshed-out character when mixed with 2D's vocals, and then in the chorus, all of those elements come together to like really define the effectiveness of this single, and in all honesty, it really does make for one of my favorite Gorilla songs of all time. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the band Nerve, but you're about to be with the new single Low. I did mention a prior single from Nerve called Still Breathing a few weeks ago, but I know I didn't single it out like I maybe should have on that particular episode, but Low left me no other choice but to put the proper respect on Nerve's name because they delivered something that stands firmly with the best alternative rock songs I've heard this year. Um, not to really like drag out any comparisons, but in the first few listens of Low, I was really reminded of Limits by Bad Omens, but if it was performed by Normandy, if that makes any sense. It has that really remarkable kind of a flair to it that I just know if this song got into the right hands, it would be all over SiriusXM Octane and Arenas Across the World. It's that fucking good, and I know not as many people are going to hear this single as they should, but if you have the time and care, I implore everyone to go stream Low by Nerve because it is fucking tremendous. Once again, Lorna Shore back to just fucking dethrone everyone else in deathcore, brand new single, Into the Earth. Deathcore continues to revolve around Lorna Shore, and for good reason, because they have done such a good job at making themselves the standout superstars of the genre. Everything that they do feels massive. Each single release for Lorna Shore feels like an event, and there hasn't been a band in Deathcore for me personally that I can say I have that kind of a connection to since, like, Chelsea Grin, honestly. I think Into the Earth getting right into the track instead of having an extended intro is something that is able to separate it from To the Hellfire and Sun Eater, and so you're not really given much room or time for preparation for what's to come. Um, it's very fast-paced in the sense that, like, uh, by the minute and a half mark, you're already diving into one of those insanely grotesque breakdowns where Will Ramos sounds like anything but a human. It's really just another instance of Lorna Shore being the kings of deathcore, and with the knowledge that they will have an album out this year, it's hard to imagine any scenario for December where I am not calling them one of the best bands of the year. Let's talk about 1OK Rock, let's talk about the new single Save Yourself. Love is pain, I know it's 
another band that I probably haven't mentioned as much as I should. Um, although I will admit that I don't consider myself to be attached to a great deal of 1OK Rocks material, but the songs of theirs that mean something to me, they carry some legitimate fucking weight to them. Like, I could probably sit here for a whole episode and tell you guys how much Cry Out impacted me, but for right now, all I gotta do is dedicate a few more seconds into Save Yourself and its brilliance. Um, it's got that, like, on my mind by Ellie Golding style intro that I will always be suckered into by any artist. Um, I think the production on Save Yourself adds to the powerful feeling that the song gives off in the chorus with lyrics like, Save yourself, love is pain, I know too well, you've never felt waves this strong, just save yourself. These are, or, or there are like these really cool electronic elements thrown in that give more character to the track, and it's just like overall a really cool song that acts as one of those instances where 1OK Rock are a shining achievement of the scene. Them boys in a void be doing the damn thing again, brand new single called My World. These guys are fucking stellar, aren't they? Um, I, I feel like every time I talk about Avoid, whether it be in regard to the Burner EP from 2020 or the double single a few months ago, there's never a moment where Avoid aren't taking anything but Ws. I love the new metal flair throughout the song's verses and how that just like naturally blossoms into the giant chorus that sounds arena ready. And then the heaviness that the song exudes spilling into a blast beat during the second verse before a breakdown. I, I, I think if you laid out my world's structure in written format, it would sound like it could be disorganized, but Avoid are such a fucking gem that they can make anything work i apologize my cat one of my cats right now is like messing with the microphone please get down i love you but please get down um they can make anything work and and i think that they prove their case here for being one of the most exciting bands in the world currently the final single that i will be going in detail on comes from chief state it is 22 reasons This is another single off of Waiting for Your Colors, which is dropping on July 1st, so the Friday of the week that this episode drops. Maybe it's already out by the time you're listening to this, I don't know. Um, Chief State are the unsung heroes of pop punk at the moment. I raved about one of their other singles, Burning Out, back in April, I believe it was. And with 22 Reasons, I'm going to do the same, because the level of emotion and catchiness packed into this song is remarkable. Like, I think this genuinely might be one of my favorite choruses of the year, and there's no reason for me to doubt the effectiveness that Waiting for Your Colors will have when I review the full album next week. These were the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in the reviews on social media. Actually, I think they all got 5s. Hotel Underground by Alpha Wolf, Empty by Boys of Fall, Smoke by Compunction, Educium per Ignum, I'm not going to get that right, by Dead Awake, Hang Around by Echo Smith, Hot Girls Have Anxiety by Evans featuring Codis, Ketamine by Fame on Fire, Reaper by Fit for a King, Epiphany by Floya, 
What if by For the Falling Dreams, Minnesota is a place that exists by Glaive, Monkey Gone to Heaven, which is a Pixies cover by Gulch, Wounds by Hostile Array, Heaven and Hiding Acoustic Version by Imminence, Way Too by Kay Williams, Not Mine by Lonely Avenue, Take Me Away by New Medicine, Fault Line by Patient 67, Cherry Chapstick by Pennyboard, Dying For by Rain City Drive, Crosses by Sipping of Sirens featuring Spencer Chamberlain from Underoath, The Conformist by The Comfort, or Conformist by The Comfort, I apologize, Blacklight Shine by The Mars Volta, Save Yourself by The Villa, Wyatt's Song Your Name by The Wonder Years, Like We Used To by Tropic Gold, Plagued by We Came As Romans, Ultraviolet by West Hand, Manifest by Where Oceans Burn, Maybe It's My Fault by Willow, Holidays by Wonder, and Light Switch, which is a Charlie Puth cover by Youth Fountain. Yeah, it was a really, really good week for singles. There were a lot of fucking major acts that I didn't go into detail on, like Weekend's Romans, Sleeping Sirens, Rain City Drive. Um, I'm okay with that, though, because I know that I will have an opportunity later on in the year to go into full detail with all those acts once their albums are out. And on the subject of albums, let me get into some of those right now. And I'm going to start off with... Um, okay, I have to look at the name because I still don't fucking remember it off the top of my head. Vaxxas to A Window of the Waking Mind by Coheed and Cambria. Needless to say, a bit of a legendary act in alternative music by this point. Um, I, I I think I've had like somewhat of an up and down relationship with Coheed and Cambria over the last nearly two decades that I've known of them. Uh, I think when they're at the top of their game and they're just fucking hitting on every note, they can be one of the most incredible bands in existence. Like I can name off the songs of theirs that mean something to me, like Favorite House Atlantic, The Suffering, Ten Speed, Running Free. But I will also say that I think only once in their career have they perfectly nailed an album, and that was on the two-part Afterman from 2012 and 2013. Um, I remember like kind of hearing that album and coming across it and not really expecting a whole lot from Coheed at that point. Um, but like the songs on there, they are just fucking outstanding. They're not like really um like heavy or, or hard in their rock nature per se, and um, they're very soothing a lot of times. There's a song on there called Mothers of Men. It was on part one of the Aftermen that like whenever it comes on Shuffle Guys, I'm just like, I'm at peace. I'm just like in a, a fucking um, tranquility. It is amazing. Um, and again, in my opinion, that double album is the one time in their careers that I believe Cody and Cambria were perfect on a record. And just something else as like a side note. I feel like I have been conditioned to question Coheed's approach to music because my first experience with them was hearing Welcome Home back in 2006, and truthfully, I don't like that song. It's deeply rooted in a style of prog that I can't find an attachment to. I hit my microphone with my ring, I apologize. Um, and that made me slightly hesitant to go further into their discography, and then I just happened to come across 10 Speed, and my perception instantly changed. But that lingering feeling of what am I about to hear has kind of stuck with me and they don't do themselves any favors in that realm sometimes. If this makes any sense, I think Coheed have mastered the act of starting off songs kind of mid and then progressively reaching the bigger, better picture. Like I hear the first few seconds of some of these songs and I'm like, yo, what is Blood doing? 
And then a minute later, I'm like, oh, I get it now. I see the vision. Yeah, this is fucking cool, man. Um, and, and the point of Vaxis where I'm really into that notion of this is fucking cool is on Comatose, which I went on and on about when it was a single back in May. Comatose is perfect, guys. Like the, the emotion and the energy, the catchiness, the infectious nature of Comatose has not been able to leave me for the last month and I don't want it to. I think Comatose is one of the best songs that Cody and Camry have ever released and it's insane to think that this is coming so late into their careers, but Comatose is a fucking perfect masterpiece of a track. And I, I think all in all, the singles run was pretty impressive even outside of Comatose. Um, the Liars Club and uh, Shoulders, for example, they still feel like massive as part of the full album. And I can hear other songs here that would have fit in with the singles like Beautiful Loser, which has this really powerful and at times emotional layout that explodes in the chorus. Um, a, a song like A Disappearing Act has this really um, just like energetic energizing groove to its rhythm that shows off Coheed's ability and range to provide memorable songs of different styles. Um, that same sentiment can be expanded over to Love Murder 1 and Bad Man, even when, you know, that song has like a bit of a slower delivery to it. Um, Blood is another song that takes on that slower pacing, but it's really effective in that regard. And once the instrumentation picks up a bit in the second verse, the track just feels even more complete. I think where maybe I, I start to get a little bit lost on Vaxis 2 comes with Ladders of Supremacy because at that point, the runtime for that song is nearing seven minutes. And I've said this before, but sometimes long songs just aren't my thing. Um, I can admire what Ladders is doing here though, and it does sound really good all throughout it, to, to be fair. Um, and there is somewhat of a break afterwards with Rise, Nainasha, which was one of the singles beforehand. But then the record closes with Window of the Waking Mind, which is almost nine minutes long. And it's a nine minute span that doesn't really do a lot to grab me all throughout it. I think there are moments on that track where I'm like, yes, I do understand what's happening here and I can get into it, but it just wasn't really like what I look for in long songs when I am able to enjoy them. So I would have probably been okay with Rise Hanasha closing the record as opposed to Window of the Waking Mind. And I understand, you know, Coheed, they do this at times and try to go for that like really long drawn out epic. But for me personally, right now, it just wasn't really clicking as much as maybe it does for others. And that's okay, you know, it's all subjective. Um, so I guess overall with Vaxis 2, Coheed did an amazing job here. This is one of my favorite Coheed albums ever made. Um, a lot of the material here is going to stick with me and I will be returning to it, <clears throat> especially Comatose. Comatose, I, I can't get, get enough of it, guys. I can't say enough good things about that track. It is fucking outstanding. Um, and, and then, you know, even other songs here, um, Beautiful Losers, um, Shoulders, A Disappearing Act. These are all amazing songs and I'm going to keep them in my rotation for a long time, I believe. But towards the end of the record, that is where the drop-off point comes in. And it's not a big drop-off point, but it's enough of a drop-off for me to say that there is a big gap between something like Comatose and Window of the Waking Mind. But all in all, again, still a good album, a great album even at times. And uh, I believe Coheed are going on tour soon. So if you got the chance to catch them, fucking go, man. It's going to be a great time. 
the first Alexis on Fire record in, I believe, 13 years came out last week. It is called Otherness. Maybe not as big of a legacy act as Queen and Cambria, but there's still a ton of respect that needs to be directed at Alexis on Fire. Like, I think for a lot of people who grew up in that period where Alexis on Fire were really popping in like the mid 2000s, uh, like we would classify them in that same category as like Under Oath, From First to Last, The Used. They were genuinely a big deal to us, and I don't think that's like a a hot take in any way. Alexis on Fire had that caliber to them. Um, And I think like a lot of others, my biggest memories with this band came from Crisis, which was their 2006 album. And particularly, this could be Anywhere in the World, which was the biggest song on that record and also the biggest song in general that Alexis on Fire ever put out. And factoring in their other material like Old Crow, Young Cardinal, they genuinely had a spot as like one of the premier bands in post-hardcore, and they're responsible for some bands who I think the world of today. So, all that being said, what is Otherness exactly? Because it doesn't sound anything like Alex on Fire's past material. It's not Crisis, and I knew going into this record that it wasn't going to be that, so I really tried not to, like, set any expectations for what I was going to hear because I didn't know what I was going to hear. So for those reasons, I couldn't really base all this off of the initial listen like I usually try to do. Alex on Fire's otherness needed more attention. He needed a few more listens for me to like fully get the grasp of. And having heard this time and time again the last few days, I can say that a lot of the material here is surprisingly hitting and sticking. But I was still taken aback by what I heard when pressing play on the opening song, Committed to the Con, which is still a post-hardcore track, but it takes on that concept differently than Alex on Fire had before. Um, and maybe I had like a bit of a hurdle with Sweet Dreams of Otherness and the raw nature of its chorus, but from Sans Soleil onwards, this record was mostly flawless in my opinion. There's a real soothing nature to that track in particular and ex- execution, which was contrasted somewhat by Conditional Love, um, the song immediately following that one. That song has like some real punk-like aggression to it that makes it one of my standouts for the record, personally. And then that goes into Blue Spade, which is very grunge-esque in how it's laid out with the slow verse that you can hear an acoustic guitar going on in the midst of it all. Um... And at the same time, like, the song really just, like, it paints despair, if that makes any bit of sense. Um, And then the chorus, while still slow, is one of the more explosive moments of otherness. And genuinely, it is a remarkable song. Um, There is a track later on in the album called Survivor's Guilt, which kind of reverts back to the issue I pointed out earlier with Sweet Dreams of Otherness, in terms of how raw the production sounds. And that's not a bad thing necessarily, but for myself at least, it does create this disconnect between this track and some of the ones that I've given praise to. Reverse the Curse has some of the punk tones I mentioned with Conditional Love, along with a really catchy and singable chorus that I think audiences at Alex on Fire shows will really be able to get into. And then where the album struggled to keep me entertained all the way through comes with the final song, 
world stops turning. Um, I guess I can kind of just repeat what I mentioned about the closing track for Coheed and Cambria's record. Um, it's, it's very long. It's like eight minutes, uh, maybe not very long for some people, but for myself, kind of eight minutes. And it's just like this journey that kind of has like a bunch of different sounds mixed into it, a bunch of different styles. And it's cool that they really tried something different with the closing song, but I couldn't really get into it, at least in comparison to some of the songs on here that I've said I was able to like really appreciate and be happy with. Um, but me not really liking the closing song world stops turning that much i wouldn't say it totally hinders my experience with the record i was still taken aback by a lot of what i heard i still liked it i still think that alexis on fire with all of the chances that they took on otherness for the most part succeeded and this is a record that i really do suggest everyone going out of the way to hear is it going to end up as one one of my favorite albums of the year i don't know probably not but it's still something that I had a lot of enjoyment with. And right now, that's kind of all that matters to me. There is a brand new self-titled album by Social Animals. And here we go again. I just need something to keep me awake today. I don't care what it is. I just need something to keep me awake today. She says I gotta slow down. I was paying attention to the singles rollout for this record, but I also didn't know in advance when it was releasing, so this one kind of snuck up on me last week. And that's fine because this album provided a break of sort from the other material I've talked about today and still have yet to get into. Um, and when I say paying attention to the, the rollout for the record, I mean that it's been years now that every once in a while I see Rise Records post about social animals and like it really did get me thinking like how how long has this record been promoted for the singles rollout goes back to 2019 so i i guess for me it kind of feels like this record has like it, it, in some way been there right alongside all of us throughout the tumultuous path that has been this decade thus far um like my favorite song on the record something to keep me awake that came out in 2020 you know what was happening to me in 2020 fucking everything dog you know what was happening to the rest of the world fucking everything and something to keep me awake was uh, for lack of a better way of phrasing it alive to see all that so and, and not only through that song but also other singles like bad things and adults um uh, you know this record has been a long time coming and hearing all these tracks the most apparent thing about this record that I could hear over and over was how dated this style is. It's a modern throwback to a style of music that I don't normally have a connection to, but I can still admire for its history. And even if you yourself don't really fuck with this stuff, I think Social Animals provided something that is easy to digest, and this will likely be my go-to record from now on whenever I feel like listening to music like this. Now, that's not to say that I think this is a perfect album, because it, it does have the obstacle of making each song stand out. And what I mean by that is that some of the tracks here can get shuffled in with each other because of how similar they are. Like, after one listen of this album, it was maybe difficult to distinguish best years from Get Over It, just to give an example. Um, I know that Social Animals have it in them, though, to deliver a more effective record because of how songs like Show Me How and Love Language are able to stand out on their own islands, per se. Those songs have character, they have personality. I don't get them mixed up with another song, and I really would like for the next Social Animals record to kind of explore that more. 
Um, but ultimately, there's not a dull moment that I can point out on this album. It has everything that a fan of a band like The Cure would be looking for in this day and age if that's a style of sound that they are still chasing after. Um, maybe this album is going to get lost on people who are like more grounded in current scene music, but I think if you have an open mind for something, you know, very 70s and 80s inspired, this is exactly what you might be looking for. This is a really, really good album that, if nothing else, gave me a chance to listen to something that I wouldn't normally dive into last week. And I do appreciate that effort from Social Animals and Rise Records. Um, there's not really a lot for me to say about like positives or, or low points of the album because to me, it's just good. Like, I can't point out something and be like, oh, this sucked or, you know, whatever else. I, maybe I kind of did a little bit talking about the distinguishing factor. But ultimately, Social Animal's self-titled album achieved everything that I would imagine the band sought after. And that's really fucking cool. Okay, so those were all of the albums for last week. And there are two EPs left to get through. The first one coming from Profiler. And it is the, well, it's a self-titled one, actually. Let's look at what's on the surface level for this EP because I think that paints the image pretty clearly. Five songs, metalcore, sharp tone records. So take all that into consideration and whatever sound you make in your head to apply to this EP, you're not going to be far off from what happened here. The runtime of this joint don't even run 15 minutes and despite such a short time frame, Profiler packed so much aggression and believability in this EP, and it's genuinely one of the most impressive things that I heard last week. Like, you have the intro song, We Are Extinction, that has these really nasty guitar tones that perfectly set the stage for what's to come with the rest of the EP, especially getting into the song Miserable. Um, I think I saw something online that said Profiler is for fans of Thornhill, and I think that's an appropriate comparison to make. Um... The vocalist Mike Evans does have the ability to lay down these cleans that sound like they would have fit right in with the late 90s and early 2000s prime era of new metal. Um, on the song Glitch Theory, there's like this funk element to the verse that lets the bassline take center stage right before erupting into a chorus that gets stuck in your head with its delivery and effectiveness. And maybe the same can be applied to Alpha 9, but it's a different kind of funk that I would say that song utilizes. And then the final song, Hypocrite, kind of cements what I was trying to figure out in my head, which is that this EP kind of dabbles in both Deftones and Slipknot Worship at times, but all while still letting Profiler craft their own sound and identity for listeners. So coming out of this EP and the several times upon several times that I've been able to hear it the last week, all I want out of this is more. Like I want more Profiler, I want more songs like this, I need an extended formatted release from this band going forward. Basically, I just said an album. Um, just, just something more, you know, like it's a good teaser for what they can do, but I feel like it's kind of just that it's a teaser. It's not the full display of the capabilities of profilers. So whatever this band is going to be doing in the future, uh, please use this EP as a reference point for that because it is as good of a reference point as you can get for the future of a band. 
And now I will get into the final EP for this episode, or three-track single, whatever term you prefer to use for it, Rotoscope by Spiritbox. The motherfucking kings and queen that are Spirit Box, the fucking number two album of the year for myself last year, Eternal Blue Spirit Box, the fucking Future Goats Spirit Box. Um, so I had no idea about Rotoscope beforehand. I, I don't think anyone did. It kind of just came out of nowhere as an announcement on Twitter for last week. And I was initially under the assumption that it was just going to be a single. And then it turned out to be a three track single. And I was like, Oh, fuck, I can review this as an EP for my show. Let's fucking go, dude. And I wasn't at all concerned by the length of this release, e even if maybe I would have been justified in doing so. Putting out a three-track single can be tough, and then it's even tougher doing a surprise drop for a three-track single. But I think if you ask me prior to Rotoscope which band I believed could pull it off in a way that shows up the rest of the scene... One of my first guesses would have been Spirit Box, and they absolutely delivered on every element here. Um, just getting into the song that brought us all here initially, which is the title track, Rotoscope, I fucking adore the electronic approach that the song takes, and how that becomes industrial within seconds. Um, I thought the production elements to Eternal Blue really helped make it the juggernaut that I see it as, and the chorus comes in, and I'm reminded that... There might not be a bigger dog in scene music right now than the one that is in Courtney LaPlante. Her ability to make anything she does must listen without even raising her voice is one of the most remarkable characteristics any front man or woman in the scene holds today. And, of course, she does ramp up the aggression in this track by incorporating her screams, and they sound fucking flawless, dude. Um, the second song, Sew Me Up, has this new metal rhythm going for it that sounds like it would have fit in on the profile EP I just talked about. And Courtney's vocal range does so much to help this song stand out going into the chorus that is insanely powerful. Um, the third and final song, Hysteria, has a delivery that is really, really beautifully crafted and sounds like it would have just like been right at home on Eternal Blue. And I, I know I keep saying this about the EP, but the chorus for Hysteria just fucking works and prints itself on my brain, and that makes the outro mean that much more once the song sounds like it's disintegrating and descending towards hell, and there's like this fiery pit all around the band. It's just like, God, it's such a treat to get to hear Spirit Box, and I, I feel so fortunate to be able to come onto this podcast and talk about them, because they really have been one of the most important bands in my life ever since I first discovered them off of Belcara back in 2019. There's a reason Spirit Box is as, like, fastly growing as they are. Is that even a term, fastly growing? I don't know, but let's just go ahead and use it. Um, like, I'm going to check real quick what their follower count is, on or monthly listener count is on Spotify, because I saw the other day when this EP dropped, and I was like, where did that come from? 1.2 million. I feel like I remember this band just being at, like, 400,000 a year ago or something like that. There's a reason for them to be on all the lines that they are, on all the bills that they are, have the exposure that they have, have the radio play that they have, because they're fucking spirit box, dude, and they fucking deliver every time they put pen to paper and, you know, track to computer, whatever. They're just them right now. I, I think spirit box has a real case for being the best band in the world right now. Rotoscope further proved what was I 
what I thought was already proven on Eternal Blue. I'm getting flustered now talking, guys, but Spearbox just does that to me. Um, they're fucking incredible. I love them all. And I, and I wish nothing but the best for Spearbox moving forward because I know that they're going to give me nothing but the best. And that's it. That was every album and EP and single from last week for me to get through. And yeah, hopefully this starts me being consistent with this again. I know I took two weeks off and I apologize for that. But at the same time, I had my reasons to. And yeah, let's just keep going. See what happens. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.